0: closing in on our confirmation uh, service which will be on april the 30th at two o'clock in the afternoon in the sanctuary on the other end so if you're able to attend as a representative of our congregation it's always a great day where we get to have our students uh, profess their faith in jesus publicly for themselves and uh, it's a nice service and we'd love to have you join us that day as uh, 10 of our young people are confirmed Uh, let's pray Gracious and holy God, we do give you thanks for the beauty of this day and the opportunity to gather together as your people. We ask now that as we hear your word proclaimed, that we'll have open hearts and open minds so that we may hear the word that you have for us this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I have always loved Palm Sunday since I was a kid. I, I loved going into the sanctuary with my palms raised up high and, and seeing all of my church family smiling and cheering me on. That just was a, a nice feeling of of uh, the warm embrace of the community of faith, and uh, that's why we always try to make that a special time for our kids here as well. And as, if I, as I've gotten a little bit older, though, I realize that there is a lot more than just uh, palm waving and shouts of Hosanna to the events that we celebrate each Palm Sunday. Well, my, most of us, I think, probably like parades. Uh, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was less like the 4th of July parade or a homecoming parade with uh, you know, uh, floats and uh, marching bands and uh, fire trucks and such. Uh, then it was a political protest march. By riding into Jerusalem like a king, Jesus was committing a subversive act of defiance toward all other would-be kings and kingdoms. And this action got the attention of the people, the religious authorities, and the Roman occupiers. From the time that Jesus first appeared in Galilee, he has been proclaiming that the gospel of God, the good news that God's kingdom had arrived. But the gospel but this gospel that Jesus was proclaiming was not the first gospel that the people had heard or experienced, as Father John dare points out in those days when the Roman Empire went off and conquered another land in the name of their God Caesar, they killed all the men, raped all the women, and destroyed all the homes. Then the soldiers would come back parading through the land announcing the gospel according to Caesar. They brought the good news of the latest victory that Another land had been conquered for their god Caesar, and that Caesar's enemies had all been killed. This gospel of violence and power was the way that the Roman Empire believed they could create peace. And now, on this day, Jesus rides in once again, announcing that the gospel of God has arrived. There is a new king and a new kingdom. In direct opposition to the ways of the Roman Empire and in direct contrast to the gospel of Caesar. For Jesus, the kingdom of God means that God is at the center of our lives because we are at the center of God's life. Uh, If you imagine, you know, God does not sleep. God is always with us. But imagine God took a little nap. When God woke up from that nap, you are what is on God's mind Jesus entered the world so that we could experience the wide embrace of God in the flesh and in and through him we are filled with God's love enabling us to walk in the light and love of God because he first loved us and lives in us we can love everyone we can serve everyone we can forgive everyone we can live in perfect nonviolence and peace with everyone, even our enemies, and we can actively seek justice for everyone. Jesus says that this is the way to peace, and this is how we can have the abundant life that He wants for all of His children. And this truly is good news. So that day long ago in Jerusalem, There was a frenzy of excitement. You know, um, it was palpable in the streets. After centuries of oppression and brutality, exile, corruption, and disgrace, the chosen people of God, Israel, were finally feeling hopeful. After being forced to pay taxes to the pagan Caesar and trudging past Roman guards on the way to the temple, always fearful that they could be singled out for any offense, They, like any people group now or then who are oppressed, they were angry. They were upset. They had had enough. After watching friends and neighbors turn their backs on them and their faith and pursuit of wealth, political position, and respectability, they had had all that they they could take. That Sunday, though, began like every other Sunday. But quickly stories of a special visitor uh, started to circulate and sweep through the crowd. Some whispered that it was the promised Savior, the Messiah. They wondered, could this finally be the promised one? Could he overthrow the terrorists of Rome and their Caesar? Could he restore Israel to its rightful place? The people lined the streets as Jesus rode in. They waved palm leaves a well-known symbol of military victory. They laid their cloaks down on the road like a modern-day red carpet, and they cheered, longing for liberation. They threw Jesus a warrior's parade in, in anticipation of what surely was to come. The people stood up and shouted like nobody was watching. Hosanna! Hosanna! Which means, save us now! The crowds were ready. Save us now! Save us now! Please, Jesus, save us now! Hosanna! The crowds were ready, but they were ready for all the wrong things and for all of the wrong reasons. Jesus knew the expectations that he would encounter that day. And before he made his way into the streets of Jerusalem, he was up above the city. And in Luke 19, uh, 41 and 42, we hear these words. It says that Jesus wept over it, wept over the city. Saying, if you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, The people were ready for war and political gain. Their eyes could not see the ways of peace because their hearts were full and set on violence. They were ready for revenge. They were ready to spit out their enemies. They were ready for power, wealth, control, and vindication to finally be theirs. And I think if we're sympathetic, we can probably see after years and years of oppression and brutality how you could feel this way. But what they were not ready for was Jesus. Six short days from this Palm Sunday, we celebrate today the shouts of Hosanna, save us now would become even more emphatic shouts of Crucify him! Just want to wake a few of you up out there. Crucify him! Jesus just wasn't the savior they were looking for, after all. In weeks like this past one, I sometimes wonder if we have failed to learn the lesson here. Gas attacks on innocent children. Ineffective bonding strategies launched at an airport where warplanes are flying again the next day, nuclear missile tests from drugged leaders, more sexual harassment settlements and blaming of the victims. We seem to still want the same things the crowd wanted long ago. We still want a savior that looks more like Caesar than Jesus. We want strength and might. We want power and prosperity. We want the terrorists to pay. And we too have a thirst for political and cultural significance. And those like those who are waving palm branches long ago, I'm not sure we are ready for Jesus as we wave them here today. We aren't ready for his command to love our enemies. We aren't ready to welcome the stranger. We aren't ready to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile or give to those and pray for those who persecute us. Too often we prefer racehorses to donkeys, vengeance to mercy and power to servanthood. We applaud brashness and ego while ignoring meekness and humility. We prefer 140 character rants to substantive face-to-face conversations with those whom we disagree. We prefer lobbing bombs, both literal and figurative ones over the walls that divide us and keep us apart instead of building bridges that bring us together in unity. We prefer half truths and outright lies to the truth, and we think it is soft not to turn, return evil for evil. We, like those crowded on the street that day, are looking for the wrong kind of king and the wrong kind of kingdom. Jesus' platform is not based on popular opinion or national security. He is interested in a world that looks a whole lot different than the one we see before us now. A world where lions and lambs lie down together, where swords are beaten into plowshares. He desires a world that isn't divided by geography, language, nationality, or culture. A world full of justice and peace. A world free of selfishness. It's a different kind of kingdom led by a different kind of king. A king who lays down his life for his friends, yes, but also for his enemies. A king who willingly carries our shame and our guilt, but also and our destruction and our death. A king who doesn't do it for votes or donations or favors to fill his or his friend's bank accounts, Uh, but rather a king who does it out of love and grace and selflessness. I'm not sure we are ready for a king like that. Because this king asks us repeatedly to follow his example. To have a king like that means letting go of all the things that continually we find ourselves fighting for. It means swearing our allegiance to something broader than national boundaries and political parties on either side it means saying no to ourselves and being willing to give up our own privilege and comfort for the good of others I'm not sure we are any more ready for a king or a kingdom like that than those first palm waivers Jesus judges our ways for sure but Jesus is not judgmental. He knows that we are often more familiar with the ways of Rome than the ways of God. But Jesus wants us to have abundant life. And he knows that his gospel ways of love and just, justice and mercy and peace and forgiveness are the ways that lead us there. Jesus calls us. To believe in the good news of the gospel and give our lives to it completely. You really do have to pick which king you will follow and which kingdom you will commit your life to living into. But you can only pick one. Either Jesus or Caesar is king. Either Rome or the kingdom of Rome or God's kingdom rules. It's not either or. It's 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 it is either or. It's one or the other. It can't be both. We have to pick. I know you're probably bristling right now, and you are in good company, because I think everyone who truly has encountered the gospel message of Jesus Christ gets a little bristly, but do not turn your ire toward me as the messenger today. I can take it if you want to, but um, instead, this Holy Week, turn your eyes and your heart and eventually your hands and your feet toward Jesus Christ who cares enough to save you. And not just to save you from some future dark, hot place but saves you for for here and now so that you can be an agent of his grace and his love in the world and the transformation that he works in you can spill out into the lives of others this holy week allow yourself to be transformed by the saving power of jesus christ Because he cares enough to save you, yes, even you, even now. Amen.